Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to the Evolution Podcast. I am your host, Dalton Dale. Thanks for joining me. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Uh, that's when I'm recording this. It's been a fantastic day. It's been a fantastic week. Great Father's Day. Uh, the Vegas Knights won the Stanley Cup. My first year following as a fan. And I got to say, it's been an exciting season, and I'm looking forward to next season. It's really been an exciting year for sports for me in general. I'm a massive Chiefs fan, so getting another Super Bowl win was a big deal. And then the Knights taking home the cup, pretty awesome. Uh, really fun series with Florida. Absolutely handed it to them, game five. So all in all, uh, it's been a good week. Excited to chat with you guys this week. We are going to uh, talk a little bit about last week's episode. Then we will jump into this week and what we got for you this week. Because those of you following the Facebook page are probably aware we are talking Iron Maiden and their third album, The Number of the Beast. It's uh, it's a really solid album. And then when we wrap up today, I'll just be talking a little bit about what I'm listening to to close out the show. Uh, so a little new segment that I started uh, with the podcast and excited to share with you guys what I'm doing just beyond listening through the history of heavy metal. For those of you that are joining for the first time, go listen to episode zero. What are you doing? Starting at episode three. That's not where you start. No, I'm just kidding. You can you can do this in whatever order you want to. But for those of you just joining, I am listening to, reading through the history of heavy metal music. I've been an avid metal head for the majority of my life. And in the last year or so, I've decided to go back and learn about the roots of it all. Inspired by the book Sound of the Beast. The Complete Headbanging History of Heavy Metal by Ian Christie, renowned music historian. Phenomenal read. Go check it out. Highly encourage you to uh, find it and read it if you are an, as avid of a metalhead as I am. So last week we talked about Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell, first album to feature Dio. It's a really good listen. Uh, in fact, actually, the title track came on today uh, after I was just listening to The Number of the Beast on Spotify, and uh, the album finished up, and Heaven and Hell came on, and man, that's such a good, that's just a good song. It's just catchy, Dio doing his thing overall. Uh, it was a good listen, fun week to go through that album, taking it back to where we started, Black Sabbath, kind of known as the godfathers of heavy metal. Uh, you'll hear me talk about that a lot through the series. I feel like that's a really pivotal, pivotal moment for heavy metal music as a whole. And uh, they may not always agree with the sentiment that they did as much as they did for heavy metal, but uh, there are 
many, many people who would argue otherwise. So, uh, yeah, it was good to listen to what they were doing at the time. Uh, following along the timeline, Black Sabbath, 1970s, New Wave of British Heavy Metal, Early American Heavy Metal, Heavy Metal Invades the States. Now we're going back through and checking out what some of the early giants of heavy metal are doing at the time that it's really starting to pick up some momentum in the States and, and likely uh, other parts of the, of the modern world at the time. So we're kind of in the early 1980s and just seeing what these guys who laid the foundation and the footwork for everything to come, what they were doing. So let's jump into Iron Maiden, the number of the beast. The album came out March 22nd, 1982. This is their third album, as I mentioned before. Uh, their first album was self-titled Iron Maiden, followed by their second sophomore effort, Killers. I listened to the self-titled album for my video series uh, a while back when I was going through New Wave of British Heavy Metal, and it's a pretty decent album. Uh, there's definitely some catchy songs on it. It is um, considered some of the some of the songs from that album are considered some of the best Maiden songs, um, and. You've got diehards that really swear by Paul Diano as a vocalist. Uh, I personally was not a fan. Um, I think Paul Diano's vocal range was pretty limited. Um, and it lacked punch compared to what the band sounded like they were capable of doing. And you, I, I feel like you can hear that when you're listening to the first album. Um, there's some pretty decent songs on there. Phantom of the Opera, Running Free, um, even the opening track, Prowler's really pretty good. And you can tell right out of the gate that this was a band that was going to do something pretty remarkable for heavy metal, and and they did. Um, they are considered one of the greats all time for heavy metal. Um easily making, I would say, multiple top 10 lists of best heavy metal bands of all time. And, you know, all in all, a staple for new wave of British heavy metal and heavy metal in general. Uh, as I mentioned, this was the first album, The Number of the Beast was the first album to feature Bruce Dickinson. I said it when I listened to the, to the self-titled album and I still feel this way. Bruce Dickinson is a far superior vocalist to Paul Diano. Maiden purists will probably crucify me uh, when listening to this and tell me that I'm wrong and why I'm wrong and all of that. And that's fine. That's your opinion, man. That's what makes music and art really, really special is that everybody can glean something different from it. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later as it relates to the title track of this album, because this album stirred some controversy and it's pretty, uh, pretty hilarious to me. Uh, I think anyways, 
Bruce Dickinson came from the band Samson. Uh, I didn't listen to Samson. Uh, they were another new wave of British heavy metal. I've heard Ian Christie talk about them on his radio show. Uh, it's on Sirius XM, Bloody Roots. It's once a week. I think they replay it a uh, second time in the week. It's an hour-long segment where he curates tracks from specific eras of heavy metal music. It's so good and so thoughtful. If you are a serious subscriber or um, fan of heavy metal, I guess, and a fan of heavy metal, you should find that and go listen to it because he really pulls in some deep cuts from these eras, at least for me as somebody who's really just learning about some of these time periods for heavy metal. Um, if you, you know, there's a good chance there's a lot of these, you know, a lot of you that grew up with this music. Uh, I know even talking with my dad, I've mentioned it before, but talking with him, there's bands that he'll talk about that I've only heard about by way of researching this history that he is familiar with just because growing up and when he got into this style of music, those were bands that, you know, it, it, it it's like with anything, you know, you hear one band in a certain sound or style, and then you kind of start to chase everything else down that's similar to that. Or at least that's been the case for me. And that's, you know, that's a big part of just my history with, metal music in general is once I really started to gravitate to heavier music when I was in junior high, I would say, uh, that was what I did is I would hear a band and then I would, you know, try to digest as much of it as I could. And then I would try to go find as much other music like that as I could, which even for me, as young as I am back then was, pretty difficult because it's still early in the age of the internet and you don't have streaming services or music that's readily available. I mean, iTunes barely existed at this point and anything that was there you had to buy. So unless you just had a bunch of money, you just had to pay. You paid per song or paid per album and so it was just a different time trying to track down music like that. And, you know, then the wave of LimeWire and Napster and all the pirating software that came out made music a lot more accessible. Unfortunately, it was to the detriment of a lot of bands. A lot of people want to crucify Lars Ulrich for his place in suing Napster for musicians royalty rights but i i think i think if you were to talk to a lot of musicians about that now and their dealings with companies like spotify and those sorts of things um you know there would be there would be some some mixed opinions and probably a lot more support and you know i think ultimately i don't think that there's um inherently anything wrong with using services like spotify um, or the like, if you really love the music you listen to and love the bands you listen to, then go buy their physical media, go buy merch directly from them. 
you know, whatever you can to monetarily support them. So I digress. Samson, New Wave of British Heavy Metal. Uh, again, not a band that I listen to. It is a band that I've heard of. But maybe I'll come back around to them at some point. I would imagine uh, that there are a lot of bands that I will end up having to skip over uh, unless I want this podcast to last for like 30 years. And uh, who knows? Maybe that'll happen, but we'll see. Um, everybody was kind of skeptical of Bruce when he first joined the band. They just weren't really sure about what he was going to do relative to what Paul had already established for Iron Reed. Uh, there's a clear line in the fan base. As I mentioned earlier, there's purists who sort of say Paul is the end all be all for vocalists and that Bruce was just sort of a sub, you know, substitute for what Paul did and, and has done for the band. And then you have people who just say that Bruce is far superior and took the band to new heights. And, and I, lean with that camp. I just think that Bruce vocally has so much more range. I think he's capable of, you know, sounding and doing things that Paul really just couldn't do. You go read interviews with the guitarist, Steve about it. And he, he even talks about, and I, I, I say that it wasn't Steve. It was really, it was the producer for this album, Martin Birch that said that it really felt like Steve opened up a lot more in his playing style and tried to do a lot more with the introduction of Bruce. And Bruce was a lot more heavily involved in the writing process. And you listen to this album and you can hear it. Uh, there is definitely a change in sound, which is marked partly by the era of heavy metal that we're in at the time. And it as a musical genre, really finding its actual sound. And instead of this sort of rock, hard rock derivative, heavy metal is very much its own thing at this point. It, it stands on its own two legs and it has its own sound, its whole own style, everything. And I think that that plays into why this album sounds the way that it sounds. But then I also think that it's just, it's Bruce and the band all working together to put together an album that is technically way more interesting to me. That is a, a lot more polished, which also in part probably just comes from their popularity and what they had accomplished up to this point. But then there's just so many more layers. It's just more complex of an album to me musically than what I heard with their self-titled. Now, you know, people want to talk about <clears throat> Killers, the album that right before this as being one of the Iron Maiden great albums. I went and listened to it and <clears throat> for comparison and it, felt it definitely felt like a part two to their self-titled but the transition from killers into the number of the beasts is a lot is a lot more different than self-titled to killers killers is a decent album it had some okay tracks on it there was nothing on it that really stood out to me again i think i'm just so not turned off but a little bit bored by paul diano's voice i i've said it a lot of times since listening to 
those first Iron Maiden tracks, Paul Diano sounds like a guy who was hired to play Paul Diano on an album for Iron Maiden. <laughs> that, that's that's just what it. That's just what I think of his vocals. It just, it, there just sounds like it's a little bit trying too hard and too, a little too 70s rock for me. I, I just don't think that they developed the real heavy metal sound and style in terms of an all around sound until Bruce became a part of the band. With that being said, um, the album production process, supposedly there was some weird things happening in the studio. You know, look, a lot of people take the name of the album, the number of the beast. Of course, there's the album cover. Go look it up. It's got Eddie, their mascot sort of puppeting Satan on it, who is puppeting a smaller Eddie, you could take all of these things and you can look at it and you could easily say, okay, yeah, this is definitely uh, a more of a satanic based album. They clearly are trying to push some sort of agenda, whatever the band says, what they say about it. People have their opinions about it. You know, really ultimately the only people who know are the band themselves. And, you know, I just think that you are to take it, for what they say, or you develop your own opinion. And that is what it is. But because of that, there was all kinds of crazy stories that I read about what was going on in the studio, just weird things happening uh, during production, lights flickering, all the power going in and out. Um, supposedly, the producer got into an accident. And then when he got the bill, the bill was for 666 pounds, you know, again, just all of these things that people sort of attribute to, well, you know, you're writing Satan's album. So obviously who, you know, who knows, but, uh, at the time, you know, this album came out, this spurred a lot of controversy in the United States. There's already, around this time, you're kind of getting into the time period where, uh, there's a lot of censorship issues, um, twisted sister dealing with it. A lot of us bands sort of dealing with the censorship issues. And you've got a lot of the social conservatives who are protesting their shows. And, you know, there's just, uh, crazy things. They're, they're, you know, holding public meetings or, or church gatherings to destroy the album. There was concerns around burning the album. So they would just smash the vinyl records. And which I just think to myself, I'm like, man, that's a lot of, that's a lot of cash just being destroyed. And, and so anyways, it's just kind of a wild time. The band talks about, people showing up to their shows and handing out pamphlets, trying to tell people about the band and how satanic they were read something about a 25 foot cross, somebody carrying a giant cross as protest to one of their shows. It was just uh, kind of a wild thing, but you know, look, despite all of that, 
the album actually charted at number 33 on billboard charts in the States is their first album to crack top 40. Um, and in the UK, if for, a, uh, it, during a one week period in 1987, it, uh, was number one on the UK charts. So, you know, say what you want to about the imagery and all of that. It had a lot of, had a lot of mainstream success, really, uh, all things considered, trying to sort of push against it, I guess you could say. But the title track, The Number of the Beast, is actually the band being interviewed and talking about it. It, it was, I think it was the bassist who wrote the, the title track, said that he had just, he had a dream about the movie The Omen 2, and it was really about an onlooker of a satanic ritual and throwing up caution about it. And what, you know, he, and you hear the lyrics uh, when you listen to the song, what, what am I looking at? What, what is this that I'm even seeing? And that that was really what it was all about. It wasn't anything to do with them trying to push a sort of satanic agenda. It was all this sort of fantastic imagery that they were using as a part of their art. And I mean, this goes for a lot of bands from that time period, but overall, uh, the sound and style is a lot more progressive than what they did before this. I mentioned before Paul, I think just limited them as a band. And so in this album, you, they are definitely writing a lot more complex riffs, a lot more complex rhythms, the drumming and bass, are really really well done uh, the bass tone sounds so good the drums are really phenomenal and much more technical in nature the guitar work is uh, outstanding and they there's definite moments that are remind me more of um prog metal in some capacity with the different syncopations and time rhythm or time signatures and all of those things that are sort of attributed to that genre of heavy metal. Um, there's, I didn't read anything about this, but some of it even reminds me a little bit of Rush in the way that they play some of it. And so, again, just speaking to how much more technical this album was relative to their self-titled or Killers, I, I just think overall... It, it's just a much more complex sounding album than, than their previous two. Um, it definitely feels like the band found their sound and ultimately the number of the beast and the song run for the Hills are two of the band's most popular songs for their history and their catalog. I, for me personally, I think that the number of the beast is still the best track on the album, but I do contribute some of that to, or, uh, sorry, but I do attribute some of that to nostalgia. Uh, the first time I heard Iron Maiden, I've talked about this on a lot of other episodes, but the first time I ever heard Iron Maiden was on Tony X pro skater soundtrack. Um, and yeah, it, it just, it's always stuck with me. Run to the Hills and invaders are both close seconds. Very good tracks. And I think um, Invaders is so punchy and packs um, a lot of heat in it for an opening track. There's a lot of people that say Children of the Nam, the second track, should actually be the opener. 
it's just a little slower in nature. It really does showcase a lot of Bruce's vocals um, really, really well in terms of what he can do. He can be a little bit operatic in nature, and that track definitely shows it. Um, I think 22 Acacia Drive has that really cool prog sound um, that I kind of mentioned with a lot more syncopated rhythms and overall um, just feels really cool. That track is supposedly a sequel to Charlotte the Harlot from the first self-titled album. Um, So I thought that was interesting to learn. And then the last track, Hallowed Be Thy Name, really good, super long. But it is a staple in the Maiden live set list, which I find really fascinating that, you know, a song from that long has been in pretty much every live set list ever. I don't know if it's in, if it is in every single one, but the band has reportedly said in multiple interviews that it is one of their favorite songs of all time that they've ever written. And that is one that they have kept in their set list as much as possible because of how much they like it. So I, I think that that's really cool. You know, this is a, this is an old album, 1982. You're talking, uh, 41 years ago. Um, that's, you know, that's a, that's a career and, and Iron Maiden is still putting out music even today and really remains one of the most prolific heavy metal bands in history. I think, yeah, there's a lot of people who may not know Iron Maiden, you know, intimately or may not know Iron Maiden even by a song or anything like that, but they may just know pieces, you know, they may know Eddie, they may know the number of the beasts, they may know run to the hills. There's just aspects to this band that have sort of infiltrated a lot of aspects of society and and overall, this this album was a lot of fun to listen to. It was, it was really cool to go listen to this after being so familiar with The Number of the Beast, the song, to go listen to this and become more familiar with the whole of the album. I, I really felt like there was a lot of tracks on it that I will probably come back to in casual listens here and there. So, uh, yeah. Number of the Beast, Iron Maiden. Really fun listen this week. Go check it out on the Heavy Metal History playlist. Um, you can find that by finding my Spotify account, my personal Spotify account. It's just Dalton A. Dale. And it's one of my personally created playlists, Heavy Metal History. You should see it. If you don't find it there, you can go to my link tree. Um, and I've got a link to it there, which is found by finding our Facebook page say hour, it's just me, uh, the Evolution podcast. If you could like and follow that page, I would really appreciate it. Uh, you can find links to that. Uh, you can go to the link tree and that'll give you links to kind of everything there. TikTok, Spotify, the Spotify playlist. All right, let's wrap things up today. I want to talk a little bit about what I have been listening to in the last week, uh, which may not interest you all that much, but that's okay. I just want to share a little bit of my background and what I'm doing outside of this. I feel like it's relevant to just understand what I'm 
just casually listening to aside from my research for the podcast. So I uh, had some fun listens this week. Uh, I posted about this on the F- Evolution Podcast Facebook page, but I listened to the new Event Sevenfold albums actually three or four times, maybe more than that. And I was very pleasantly surprised. I have not been a fan of Avenged Sevenfold really since, um, oh, the album with Backcountry on it. Is that the name of the album? Oh, hang on. I'm looking it up. City of Evil. That's not the name of the album. City of Evil is the name of the album. I have not been a fan of them since that album, really. This album, Life is But a Dream, is... <laughs> crazy guys i would very much encourage you to go listen to it there are all kinds of elements in this album that really really stand out r&b hip-hop jazz like it is such a crazy album and i really think that they did such a phenomenal job with it i I don't love M. Shadow's vocals when he's clean singing. It just sounds very nasally to me. However, it is something that I feel like fits them. And they have some moments on this album where they get really heavy again, which they haven't done in a long time. When I say heavy, I mean like harsh vocals, screaming, those that like the really gnarly riffs. Um, but it, all in all, seriously, again, I, I listened to it several times. It, it was a good album. Um, knocked loose, put out a couple singles. My God, I, I don't think these guys can do wrong. Um, but it's, they put out a two song EP upon loss. Um, it's deep in the willow. Everything is quiet. Now, everything is quiet. Now has some crazy moments on it. Um, there's a new single by bring me the horizon. It's called amen. That was really good. um, Let's see, what else have I been listening to? I've been listening to a lot of uh, Don Broco. Uh, they're a band out of the UK, more post-hardcore type band. Super, super good. Uh, my wife and I are actually going to go see them in concert next Sunday. Uh, yeah, anyways, that's what I've been listening to this week. I thank you all for tuning in and all of your support it really means a lot to me. I have had a few individuals reach out to me just telling me how cool they think this is. And I just can't say how grateful I am for that feedback and, and anybody taking the time to listen to even five minutes of this. It really means a lot. If you do whatever platform you're on, if you could leave a five-star review, I would really appreciate it. It, it helps a lot in the algorithms for new podcasts to get a little bit more traction and listens. So if you could, I would really like that and you would be cool. And yeah, Uh, like I said earlier, go find me on socials, the Evolution Podcast. Uh, You can find me by searching Evolution Podcast or Evolution Pod on most socials, Facebook, TikTok. Um, You can find the spot if you are listening to this podcast, that means you found it. That's great. Share it. With all of your friends, we are available on pretty much every podcast platform that's out there, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, all of it. So go find it. If you're listening to this on Spotify, 
Uh, I recently dropped a link in there that you can support the podcast financially if you would like to. Uh, if you're watching this video, I'm just recording from a laptop video. Quality is not great. Monetary support uh, would be cool and help me buy a new webcam to get a little better video quality on this, as I do intend to start dropping the video pods on YouTube. So thank you all again. I appreciate it. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. You guys rock. I'm grateful for my father who really is the one that started all this for me and got me going into heavy metal. So thank you guys. Appreciate you. Have an awesome week. We will see.